Hey everyone, it's Matt. And I'm Kyle. And we're the Casual Tutors. Today we're going to be talking about Friday Night Magic or FNM as some people might know it. And basically what that is, is just your local Friday night gaming event at your LGS centered around one or multiple magic formats that might be going on, depending on the size of your LGS. Like always, we're going to get some housekeeping out of the way. Continuing that trend of you guys absolutely crushing the support. We're closing in on a thousand plays overall, which is just flat out amazing. We've only been doing this for roughly three and a half months and to reach a thousand this quick is, you know, beyond my wildest expectations. So thanks again. Keep it up. Keep sharing with everybody. We're going to keep growing, going to keep doing new content for you guys. And we're super excited to see what this next year brings. As always, make sure to hit us up on our socials. We love interaction with you guys, whether it's Facebook messages, telling your thoughts on the ideas, joining our Discord, hitting us up on Twitter, any of that stuff where we get to have these conversations with you, we absolutely love. Look for all our links, all those socials and Discords and stuff down in the bio of this episode or anywhere, you know, search for casual tutors and we're going to pop up. All right, let's jump right into it. Friday Night Magic, depending on the size of your LGS, is one or multiple events that go on and are supported as sanctioned play by Wizards of the Coast. Depending, I guess it depends if your store is a WPN store or not. Friday Night Magic isn't restricted to WPN stores. You know, any card shop, any shop in general can host these kinds of things. But what they are are kind of the, the quintessential connection that Magic players have with sanctioned play. And it's... Rules level, it's usually either casual or regular, which means it's fairly loose, friendly, just slinging cards, getting prizes at the end of the event. In the past, this was the number one way people engaged with Magic the Gathering, was going to your local store Friday night, playing Commander, well, originally not Commander, but Standard, doing Limited, Modern, Legacy, all these different formats, and, you know, building a local player base that met every Friday and participated. Prize support's obviously a big part of this because it is a competitive aspect of Magic the Gathering, but as the baseline, it's always been seen as you know the friendly, easy-to-get-into way of playing Magic. I was going to say, that is the nice thing, though, is uh, the difference between like uh, casual Commander Wednesday like we play versus F&M is the prize support. You know, and especially if you're playing like uh, constructed, you're looking at you know a five dollar buy-in to get some to get some prize support, which includes nowadays promo packs, promo cards. I mean, Wizards of the Coast sends so many so many different pieces of prize support nowadays that, especially if you come out on top, you can walk away with definitely your money's worth. Slight caveat on that is obviously your LGS decides on how sweet they want to make that prize pot. I know I'm in charge of our locals, and I think I do a fairly good job of making sure everyone feels like they get their $5 worth. But I've definitely had experiences at different stores where unless you're top eight, you're just out of luck. Yeah, I mean, I was way cooler back in the day than Matt is, but whatever. I definitely give better prizes than Kyle used to. That's not true. (laughs) I get more support from Watsi than he got. Anyways, so F&Ms have been a huge part of Magic all through 2000s, the teens, rolling right up to our good old friend COVID. And once COVID hit, it 
kind of was this perfect storm where Watsi was pushing super hard with MTG Arena. There's local business restrictions that, you know, obviously we're not going out and having in-person play anymore, which was reinforced by Watsi. And honestly, I think this is a good thing. Maybe the extent of it and the duration of it was too long, but not authorizing their WPN networks to hold events, you know, because of this COVID issue and pandemic that happened. So the perfect storm occurred, arena, COVID, and, you know, as things started clearing up, as local play started happening again in 2022, uh, 2021, depending on where you're at, we saw Friday Night Magic events being hosted again, but the response to them by the public was definitely far less. And that's everything. I mean, if you look around at any major event you would be going to or even just going out to stores and things like that, everything has changed since COVID. I mean, things like DoorDash and Instacart have blown up or the the every single grocery store now has those, what is it, the drive-up pickups. You see those all over the place. I mean, this is the the world as we know it has changed since covid and so it's to be expected. Hopefully we are starting to see slowly but surely some changes back to normalcy, though. Standard play is definitely the largest victim of this. Like I said, with Arena becoming so pushed and so popular out there, people see less of a reason to go play in-store play, especially since it's a rotating format. They're not seeing the need to purchase into standard set cards to play in person when they can dump, you know, some people I would say, say probably less money into arena. I definitely, in my opinion, they probably pay just as much into arena. I don't know. I was going to say, I think that even the, the heavy players are still probably spending less than, because those heavy players in Arena are players that were probably keeping up with whatever was fairly meta every single standard. Yeah, I know plenty of people, though, that buy into the, the, the pre-order bundle for Arena that is, it's like 100 or $200 usually, right? Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're spending at least that much on cards. Right, right. I'm just saying it. So they're at least meeting what they would be spending in physical product with digital product. And to each their own. They're, if you prefer to play online, that's fine. But a lot of those people, they're not going to go out, spend the $200 of that pre-order bundle, and then turn around and spend $200 on uh, sealed product or singles in physical product to play in their Friday Night Magic. And I, we've definitely seen it. We have a very dedicated core group of four players that want standard to happen. And as the event organizer, I try every month to have a standard event and consistently, and this is going all the way when we started having events again, standard is the one that doesn't fire. And that's, I mean, the, the people that are spending lots of money are the, they're, they're the, the outcast. They're not the outcast. They're the, the small percentage whales. I think, I think, most players um, that were playing in standard and paper aren't those. They weren't the people playing the meta decks. They weren't the people spending hundreds of dollars every set. And standard does become more affordable on arena and easier to play. And I think, and I mean, I mean, here's the thing is, is I know the metrics exactly. I know that we were doing, nobody wanted to play anything else. We were doing four standard FNMs and two Saturday limiteds a month. And having, you know, 17 to 25 people for every single event, 
And then arena happened and COVID too, but arena happened right around the same time. And so I think for standard, at least it's definitely more on the arena side that affected it rather than COVID itself. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Not to be all doom and gloom talking about arena. I think arena can be a whole separate episode that we do, but looking at other formats that are super popular, especially in our local meta, but I know kind of universally in FNM you get, Things like Pioneer, which I, I said popular in our local meta, Pioneer is not one of those things. But Modern, Limited, so Sealed or Draft. Uh, I know there's a local cube that's been floating around and people have been trying to get at least Saturday play going for that. There's you know Legacy, Vintage, which isn't as popular. But all this talk, and people, are, at least locally to us, are very excited about these more eternal formats. And... Speak specifically modern, we have been getting eight to ten people consistently now for a solid month, which, you know, when we first started back up, just like standard, just like every other event, we were lucky to get four. And we're seeing that huge recovery. Limited is something that I think is universally popular. It is another format that is accessible via arena, but I definitely feel the in-person interaction that drafting gives you is a different feel than even the, the competitive arena draft events draft is 1000 percent better in paper sealed it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether it's there's no difference between playing it. i mean other than seeing the you know your opponent's face across the table from you which is awesome but draft is definitely there is no comparison even if you're doing the premium draft against real people because the problem is is you go ahead and you do the premium draft against real people and okay so your draft pool isn't all screwy that way but then you're not playing against those people so there's there's mechanics to drafting that just aren't being used because of that because the draft itself is part of the strategy we've talked about this in the past with drafting a lot of the excitement and good feelings come from sitting in that pod of eight passing packs and what Kyle and I like to do is shit talk each other and talk about like who got this chase where, who got that trace where, Oh, this person won. They pulled an Ellis Norn, uh, stuff like that. It's just human interactions that make the draft so fun. The one thing I think sealed has going for it in paper is pre-release events. And we just had one this past weekend for Phyrexia all will be one. And it was amazing, but you know, it's obviously different than draft because you're not passing packs around and pulling from those pools, but you're starting from one pool and hearing, you know, Frank on one corner yelling, I got an Elish Norn. And, you know, we got Josh over in the other corner. Oh, look at this Dominus, stuff like that. Foil Nissa here, all these chase cards. Like, it's exciting to be around these people that are stoked to be getting sweet chase cards out of their sealed pool. Now, here's my question. Um, and this is something that I was thinking about with it. So we have seen a... You know, we've seen a rise and fall between different sets. And I, I want to say that limited participation really depends on what the set is. But I will say, I mean, we look at sets like Kamigawa last year. That was incredible. It was the highest selling winner set of all time. And the limited scene was just garbage. Does that have anything to do with it? Or is that just still recovering? I definitely think there wasn't that excitement with original Kamigawa being an older set in our local player base. The majority of people didn't get to experience that. You make a really good point there with the fact that a good portion of our local player base are 
younger players, not younger in the sense of, I mean, they are younger than us, but younger in the sense of they have not been playing very long. Yeah, their history in Magic is relatively less than five years. So not getting that experience of original Kamigawa and the exciting, unique world that that was, there's really no reason for them to be excited for new Kamigawa, except for, you know, Commander players super excited about ninjas coming back, stuff like that. Little little things, but overall the flavor I feel is more of a miss with the the newer crowd. Where we see Phyrexia and what we get with Phyrexia all will be one. We had this build up with a couple of sets now where there's been incursions by Praetors, there's been flat out attacks on Dominaria. There was an incursion in Kamigawa. Right, right, right. But I think that added more to Phyrexia's popularity than it added to Kamigawa's popularity. And I will say, too, and I'm curious to see how this plays out because I I think that All Will Be One, at least locally here in our playgroup, was tenfold times more popular than even Brothers War or Dominaria United. Um, I think that I'm, I, I'm wondering to see if it's like the War of the Spark effect where it's like, like kind of like the 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 finale, like the big I I the do, doomsday. Right, I get that we have one more set left to find out what all happened, and I'm curious to see if that one's just as popular. But this was really the like the good guys going. Here's our plan. Let's get it done. This was the big explosion of the story. Right, the the next step is kind of to see what happens. It, it's it almost feels like cleanup, I guess, but it could have been just the way they wrote the story. Um. But I'm curious to see what happens when we get later in this year and we get like our summer set or we get uh, like Return to Eldraine, which might be our summer set. I can't remember when Return to Eldraine is. Either that or Ixalan. Or Return to Ixalan. But to see these sets that aren't this huge story piece and see if that plays a part into it. Well, I think what's going to play into their popularity is the fact that they are recent sets. We weren't in Ixalan very long ago. We visited El Drain, seems like two years ago. So all these stuff, especially locally, are very fresh in everyone's minds, and they're excited to see how these planes have developed since we left the pirate conquistador vampires. I, I think it's been like six years since we were in Ixalan. Ixalan has definitely been longer than El Drain, but El Drain just rotated out uh, this past October. Or was it the year prior it was the to year that? prior. <laughs> COVID brain, losing track of time. There we go. Bringing it all back to COVID. Anyways, I, I definitely think I Dominar United. I think was a great limited set. I had a lot of fun playing drafts in it. But the issue, I think, it totally was overshadowed one by the release schedule. It to my memory, there was a couple ancillary sets, and definitely secret layers are perpetual. Always is, and it was right after Double Master twenty twenty two. Right, and Double Masters definitely kind of shrunk that excitement cycle. And then we were right into Brothers War. And for us, Brothers War was so exciting because we were going to MTG Summit for pre-release. And it was a huge event. I think I technically participated in three different Brothers War sealed events, as in I showed up, got my kit, and I left to go play Draft or Commander. But it was definitely kind of just the redheaded stepchild of these recent releases. Well, and the other thing, too, I'll say is there is a difference between being excited for certain cards, right? So there's a lot of people in our play group who are commander-specific players or commanders and dabble in a little bit of something else. So they might be... They want that Panharmonicon. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going for cards. There's 
other people like there's there's a good handful of us like Matt and I who really like limited and so we're more concerned with the limited landscape rather than the cards themselves yeah I'm going to be happy if I pull an Elish Norn but I'm really looking at play the game and to play well and to have a deck that works I mean I think one of the best uh limited sets in recent years was Streets of New Capenna and that really has nothing in it. It's not like an explosive set whatsoever. We can't even get people to play limited, even though I have plenty of it in the store for limited play. Yeah, it's an awesome limited. I mean, it's it's another good example. Kaldheim. Kaldheim was probably the best limited set of its like standard environment and was kind of just a trash set overall for everything else. But limited, oh my God, it was incredible. Yeah, so many gods, so many powerful bombs with good support uniquely. And this is going to roll right into our seal talk. I know we already kind of, we've been discussing limited and sets in particular, but Phyrexia all will be one is one of those sets where it has huge bombs like Panharmonicon and has a few other, the Dominus cycle that aren't necessarily good for limited play, either their cost or their impact isn't as large, but the common and uncommon support is unreal. I played, I I would have, Probably top three last Friday at our pre-release, but I had a drop. I played this Abzan Toxic Tribal deck that had zero rares in it. I had not a si- I, okay. I think I played Myco Synth Garden and the Mirex, so I had two rare lands in it, and that was it. Everything else was common and uncommon. Com- uh, goblin, <laughs> it's all goblins. Uh, common and uncommon. Yeah, goblins not in red. Abzan, uh, Abzan goblins. Um, all common and uncommon cards. And it was incredible. The synergies were there. It moved fast. It felt like a constructed deck. And and that's just what I'm saying. I mean, that's I love seeing that in limited. I love sitting down and being like, I I don't need any rares. You know, I, obviously there's some out there. What's that that uh, one green man or rare toxic guy? Oh, uh, uh, rot priest. Yes, there's there's obviously cards out there that would have gone well in the deck if I had gotten them, but they it didn't need them no especially i did the same thing day two as i did abzan toxic synergies and i had one where i had skrill of hive which is insane i love a white bitter blossom like that's very good but the majority of the deck was made up of green white lords and little dinkers that you know get in when they have the, the only thing they really cared about is that they particularly had toxic because i was playing three drops and four drops that gave plus one plus one and flying when it entered another toxic creature and stuff like that and all these i think the most powerful card on my deck was a common and it just when these powerful cards are accessible in a limited format makes for very fun gameplay dude when you look at your deck and you go the most powerful card in my deck is probably this Four drop, uh, common three four, the plague nurse. Yeah, you give you creature plus one plus one. If that's toxic, give it plus two plus two. Like, thank you. I'm gonna trigger that every combat for nothing. Yeah, easy. The the, the plague. That's was that a different one? Yeah, that's the white one. The plague nurse is uh, you pay three two and a green into it, and every single creature you control with toxic gets an additional toxic one. Basically, oh, gotcha. Yeah. And which, if you don't know, because Toxic is a new ability, Toxic stacks. So the card itself has Toxic 1 printed on it. You play something that says the X creature gains Toxic 1, you suddenly have a creature with Toxic 2, and so on and so forth. But, yeah, Sealed was great. This was our largest Sealed event in many, many months, probably a year. We, you know, 
rocked 17 people on Friday. We had another 14 on Saturday. We sold out of pre-release kits entirely. And I'm glad, you know, I'm super stoked for the store. Obviously, it's a big windfall to get product moved so quickly. And that's really what we aim for is supporting our LGS. I'm also glad I pulled all those boxes Friday night because otherwise we would have been screwed come Saturday because everyone was itching to buy more kits. Moving on from limited, uh, the other big event, like I kind of mentioned, was modern. And it's really funny watching this modern environment develop locally where it started off with three dudes that really wanted to get in the modern again. And you know, pre-COVID modern was kind of a sporadic thing like once a month-ish when we could get people together. And it's definitely becoming at least definitely a monthly event for us now and moving up to replace standard to probably be bi-monthly. And, but just watching this group develop from a couple of dudes that, you know, were jamming decks on the side or Commander Night or, you know, Friday Night Magic when they necessarily didn't or they didn't want to do standard or whatever to a group of 10 active people talking about our local meta, you know, you know quote unquote meta and, you know, four Tron players, like it's all bring burn so we could like, you know, burn out the Tron players. And, you know, obviously that never happens because it, it is very competitive, surprisingly with everyone in not wanting to give information about what their deck is going to be doing, even though we see everybody play one game and we instantly know what it is because it's modern. But I'm definitely excited for it. I'm one of those shills that hasn't... I ha- I technically have a burn deck, a Boros burn deck that is modern. and But I always play my Bant Spirits. That's my Pioneer deck because I'm sad Pioneer isn't a thing. But- I like Pioneer. I, I like Pioneer better, and I like Modern, to be completely honest. I do, too. It's more exciting when sets come out and then different cards have a larger impact on the format as a whole, and there are things that don't even get touched in Modern or Legacy. And, I mean, it's one of the best decisions that Wizards of the Coast has made probably in the last decade, but the second that they were like, hey, Pioneer's the thing, fetch lands are banned. Yeah, right out the gate, fetch lands banned. And immediately more accessible, especially for newer player bases. Especially, like, I don't know why it isn't more of a thing locally where we have this five-year memory for Magic players. Like All these people have cards that are super relevant in Pioneer that you know they aren't competitive in Modern. And just you know, got to work on trying to get those people to give it a try. There's definitely very fun and exciting things we can do in Pioneer. It's almost like, hey, do you want all those standard cards that mean nothing now because of rotation? You want them to mean something? Here you go. Right. I think looking forward into the future of FNMs, they're going to be more important than ever for WotC, even though it seems like, you know, to use the phrase again, it's slowly becoming the redheaded stepchild again. We see WotC going back and forth for supporting LGSs, where some decisions seem great, like supplying every game store with their Magic 30 packs, which I guess we never saw in Elko. But supposedly they did that to, you know, sweet spin-down counters to entice people to spend over $75. Those Phyrexian counters were sweet. Yeah, they're very cool. But And then they go and just reverse it immediately by selling directly on Amazon and offering better prices on Amazon XYZ. And we don't need to get into that. Definitely been covered by us in the past. But... Ultimately, with all these publicity hits that Watsi and Hasbro have been seeing lately, getting back to their roots, to the physical player, the local store, is going to be the most important thing they can do. In getting these people to rely and value their cards again, where, you know, Shouldred, 
she's obviously still super expensive, but to turn around and immediately reprint her in the next set is kind of weird for me, even though it's, you know, a special treatment and in, it is technically available in every product line. So just one of those weird plays. Definitely. We see kind of what bank of America was saying where they're reprinting so many magic cards and they're devaluing old magic cards which I didn't initially agree with, but at, now that my kind of, I guess, eyes have been open, I see it more and more. And speaking of that, Bank of America came out today and devalued Hasbro again. Yeah, I saw that. That's, well, and it, if you look, they've actually updated a lot of what they said too, to include both Magic and Dungeons and Dragons now. Yeah, and Wizards definitely showed their hand with that fireside chat or I guess it was Hasbro, really, that showed their hand with that fireside chat. Bank of America is definitely a larger entity than Hasbro, and I definitely feel like it has more market sway than anything they Hasbro can dream of. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is is that this uh, large bank is coming out and uh, uh, dropping the, oh, what do you even call that? It, it's like the, the stock viability or whatever of the company for Hasbro, and they've con- they – it was already at underperform, so I don't know what it's dropped to now. Trash. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. I mean, that's not a good sign, and that is something that people are going to see. It should have been a signpost for Hasbro the first time it came around. Our biggest creditor is saying we are messing up in this department. Rather than being Mr. Bighead and saying we're doing nothing wrong, maybe we should reevaluate our d- difficulties. I'm sure behind the scenes they're running around with, like chickens with their heads cut off right now. They have to be right now. Yeah. There's no way they goof up twice in Bank of America's eyes and don't have major repercussions in the company. Right, and even even looking at the issues that they've had with Magic the Gathering, which – Magic the Gathering players have always been the worst, and they've just fed into giving Wizards of the Coast money. Trust me, Matt and I are 100% guilty of it. Right there with everyone. But the fact of the matter is is that they, they pissed off the Dungeons and Dragons community to the point where, like, day one they lost 40,000 uh, D&D Beyond subscriptions. That was just day one. That's not to mention everyone late to the party. Everyone go, you know, can't decide. Like, I... I was in that boat. I don't think I canceled mine until two weeks later because I couldn't decide because I was in the middle of a campaign and then my DM was like, I canceled mine. We're going to figure that out. And then I was like, all right, it's done. Canceled mine. So they, I mean, they came out and said that magic makes up 70% of Wizards of the Coast uh, profits. D&D makes up like 30% basically is what they came out, like rough estimates. It might not seem that much. But 30%, if you're losing a major portion of that 30%, that's a huge hit. I mean, if, if Wizards of the Coast even loses 5% of their annual profits from this issue, that's a major problem. That's people losing their jobs. Definitely. Why, you know, put all this effort and time into something like D&D if it's not going to pay off? That's 30% savings in the end where they could just axe that part of the company. Not that they ever will because – as we have learned, they see it as a cash cow out to pasture right now, just waiting to come back in and get milked. It's everything Wizards of the Coast does, Hasbro sees as a cash cow. Yep. And we're definitely partially to blame, but not really because why blame the people that love that hobby? And that's the main issue with Magic and, and D&D is that people that participate in or participate in you know, D&D adjacent games love that genre love doing that and 
they do want to support companies that do it, but they want to support companies that do it honestly and upfront, and they don't want to feel like that cow. What I'm hoping, though, to get back on track with the F&M stuff is I'm hoping that they start to realize this, like you said. They start to go back to their roots. They start to put more effort into in-person play. Because I mean, they've got to make – here's the thing. They have to make more money if you're going into the store to play standard than on arena. And they've got to make more money with standard than any other set because it being a rotating set. So I, I really do hope that we start to see more and more of them pushing in-store play, benefiting us. Sure, they're going to make more money in the long run, but that usually means it's going to benefit us, the players, in some way. We kind of see that with what they're doing with the return to pro tours where you qualify via arena and you get the if you make the top eight, you start playing paper. I think it would be cool if they further hybridized it and we kind of get back to those old land tournaments where you show up, you know, you go to a large regional center, let's say Salt Lake City, and it's over the course of a weekend, you do, you know, up to top 32 playing arena against people in the same convention centers. You. They set up computers, whatever, and obviously allow people to play arena via their own home computer, but make it a convention part, you know, wrap it in with everything that people really, really love about magic events, you know, have on-site card play, have vendors, have all this stuff, have, you know, all the arena nerds in a separate room gaming on computers, and then bring them all together on that Sunday where we have either the top 32, or the top eight, duke it out in paper right there and have that regional qualifier magic con experience. Well, and I'm almost wondering, I don't know how it works now. So right now is it, is it up to top eight only on arena? I'm not sure if it's top eight or like top 32 or 64. Because I'm, I'm wondering is if it, it would be really interesting if they could do a hybrid thing where you either are on arena or playing in paper at like a regional event. And then, and that's, that's like that all the way up to top 64. And then once you have the top 64 between both arena and paper, you take them and then it's an event that has to be played in paper. That would be cool. The only issue with that I foresee is just the arena shuffler in particular being very different than how it is in paper magic, causing you know some kind of unfairness or not necessarily unfairness, but disjointedness between the two. But I think that's why when, that's why you have to switch it back to paper once it gets to the top, like sixty four. I just think the you know 1000 players playing on arena are going to have an advantage over the 300 people playing in paper for up to that cut. It would be interesting to see how it shook out. Yeah, but I think that the the mythic player on arena is still not going to be able to beat Reed Duke in paper with that shuffler or not. It's true, but I just I don't think maybe Reed Duke playing in paper might not even get the same get to the top 64 versus so many people in arena. Yeah, I don't know. Something, you know, just spitballing. But getting to these Friday Night Magic events is super important, and I definitely want to get more people locally. So if you're listening to this and you're in northeastern Nevada, please join us. Um, you likely know where we are playing. I don't want to dox our store entirely. Um, northeastern Nevada is a big enough hint. But, you know, get in, play with us, talk to us. We're friendly as much as Kyle and I bitch at each other. We do like interacting with new people, teaching magic. And if there's some reason you don't want to come to the store, please let us know. We do have, you know, kind of an insider's voice to help 
you know, make suggestions and kind of direct the store's play. So definitely room there to, you know, kind of work to get everybody into a happy environment playing again together like we saw pre-COVID. And it doesn't matter where you are. Get into your LGS, support your LGS, play Magic, get into Friday Night Magics. That's going to show Wizards of the Coast that this is still viable, that people are still playing paper, that the numbers are still there, and they're going to start supporting stores more. That's really going to be the voice that shows Wizards of the Coast. So if you can, get in there and support your LGSs. Kyle's entirely right about supporting your LGSs. It's the most important thing you can do. Even if Amazon is $5 cheaper, just think about what that $5 gets you in your store. One, it gets you a brick-and-mortar store whose costs are, I guarantee, significantly higher. It gets you employees. It gets you friends. You know, It gets you whatever other product that that store is stocking. I did mention, obviously I was talking about our store, you know, letting us know, you know, why you're not coming. If you do want to come, make changes. Stuff like that is important for any LGS in reality. If you talk to your LGS owner and you, you know, express concerns with this or, you know, you, you see an issue here or maybe an improvement or maybe suggestions to carry products, stuff like that. I would say 75% of the time they're going to be receptive because they want to, you know, put their best foot forward for all of their customers. Those few LGSs out there that are very stick in the mudish, stuck in their own ways, you know, God help them. Obviously they have some kind of other sense of enjoyment or funding source that's keeping them going. I don't know why, but make the help make your LGS what you want it to be, whether that's with your play group or working with your LGS owner. Right. And they, and I, I will guarantee you that the LGS tries as hard as they can and you know what? The thing is, is the more you guys buy from your LGS and the more you guys support your LGS, you might actually see start to see better deals and stuff like that. The thing is, is when 75% of the play group is buying things off of Amazon, a lot of times you, have, you see that the prices in the LGS have to go up because they're trying to survive. So just going in and supporting them, even if you have one like ours that's also like a cafe on the side, like going in and having lunch there or eating while you're there playing or getting drinks while you're there playing, there's a lot of different ways to support your LGSs that can you know, possibly help grow the store and change it for the better, like Matt said. Anyways, Friday Night Magics are always awesome. Whether you win, whether you come in the middle or you lose, always a good experience. At least you're improving. At least you're getting out and you're playing a game with people you like to play with. That kind of brings us to the end here. As always, hit us up on our socials. We're pretty much everywhere at Casual Tutors, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our Discord is relatively active. We love talking deck reviews. We love looking at spicy cards, stuff like that. Our Discord, or, or I talked about our Discord. Our TikTok and YouTube is definitely picking up. We're doing our best to do daily pack opening videos. We're going to start doing our podcast episodes on there, at least in the very beginning with just our logo with some, with the audio over that. And eventually, hopefully, we work up into incorporating a camera so you can see our ugly faces. That said, my name is Matt. And I'm Kyle. And we're the Casual Tutors. Thanks for listening.